The world of story has captivated humanity since the dawn of time. The oldest known form of communication, verbal storytelling is responsible for the continuity and development of civilization from its most primitive moments to its most advanced. Story involves a sense of mystical wonder, but is also a powerful medium for communicating real and concrete ideas that shape people's lives and make them take action. Steve Schramm, marketer, nonfiction writer, and story nerd, and Alex Jagir, fiction writer, wannabe game designer, and story nerd, join forces as worlds collide to discuss how story is the most powerful concept ever known and how it interacts with each and every aspect of our lives, from the most magical to the most mundane. All right, well, uh, welcome back in here to another episode of uh, Story World. Got me and your boy Al on the on the horn. What's up, Al? Hey, how's it going? I feel like next time, you know, you should wear a uh, a like a lumberjack, like one of those plaid things to get like your Al Borland on from Home Improvement. Did you ever watch uh, that? Uh, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, all the time. Yeah, your boy Al. You see the beard? Yeah. It's funny. I have a, I have a buddy who who uh, out in California that. He 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 grew a beard. I'm telling you, he looks just like a young Al Borland with that beard. It's pretty insane. Really? So. Well, you're kind of you're getting there. You don't you don't you got the hair right here. Just yeah, I just I'm really lacking, really lacking on top. Unfortunately, so that's all right. You know, you're forgiven. Whatever. With age comes wisdom. That's what I hear anyway. So <laughs> that's with age hear. comes wisdom and loss of hair. So I'm. Um, I feel justified in it. I'm I'm not worried about it. Uh, anyway, so uh, so on this uh, episode, we wanted to kind of talk through some of our favorite stories, and it's really funny. We we kind of like you know we were chatting a little bit before I I hit the red button here, and um, uh, as as per like the whole reason why we started this podcast, it's like you know most of the things that Alex is coming to the table with is like fiction related and pretty much what I'm coming to the table with is is nonfiction related and so right this is the world of story it bridges across everything so uh I'm excited to talk about it and uh yeah maybe we should just dive in so I guess I'll go first yeah go for and um uh, just uh start we'll start talking about some of our our favorite um uh, our very favorite stories so the the first one that I wanted to bring out these are in no particular order for me uh, but the first one that I wanted to talk about was uh, Apollo 13. I just remember, you know, being, um, so it came out in 1993. I'm telling you, 93, 95, like, these were good years for movies. Um, and uh, yeah, so, so Apollo 13 came out in 1993. It was one that my mom always really liked. Um and she was always into like space travel stuff, which is which was which was cool. You know, we whenever we went to Disney, I mentioned last time we used to go on a lot of Disney trips um, in Orlando. You know, it was r- real close to there was the Kennedy Space Center, and so we used to go there. And they even had a lot of the big like IMAX, you know, theaters and everything where you could go. And uh, you know, my mom just really liked liked space stuff, and so she also really liked Tom Hanks. And who doesn't? I mean, Tom Hanks is pretty much the man. And, uh, so, so, right. So Apollo 13, um, I guess, uh, it would be good, Alex. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking out loud now, but I guess like for people who just don't know, cause some people may not know, like, like, I guess we kind of need to tell the story of each of these, at least somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I for, guess for, for, if there's any, spoilers, for anything, I guess we could do a spoiler warning, even though some of these are kind of, so, uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. spoiler alert, if you've never seen Apollo 13, I will not do it justice in my explanation. And so you definitely need to go see it. It's a, or, or, you know, rent it or just whatever you have to do to get your hands on it. It's a fantastic movie. And, um, it's based on the true story of, uh, of Apollo 13. So one of the, uh, uh, Apollo missions and they were supposed to return to the moon on this, uh, on this mission. And, get get moon rocks and they were going to do some experimenting with moon rocks and just trying to learn more uh about uh about the moon obviously there was the success of apollo uh was it apollo 11 with 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 uh i think it i think right i think it was apollo 11 with uh, uh buzz aldrin and neil armstrong where they made it to the moon and so uh, anyway apollo 13 was a mission to go back and gather even more uh data and so it was uh the mission was gosh I, and i've seen it so many times now that, that it's, it's no surprise how well i can remember all this but it was jim level red hayes and it was supposed to be 
um, um, now that I've said how great my memory is, I forget his name. There was another one that was, it was, it was, it was I do remember he was played by, uh, Lieutenant Dan, you know, uh, uh, yes. <laughs> in, in the, in the movie. Um, he was, he was supposed to go and then he got sick with the measles. Oh, Ken Mattingly. Ken Mattingly was the name. So it was supposed to be Jim Lovell, Fred Hayes and Ken Mattingly that were going. And Mattingly got sick with the measles and, um, or at least that's what the doctors said he was going to, he basically, they said he was going to be starting to get sick just as they were, you know, preparing to do a, you know, a moonwalk. And so the doctors uh, weren't going to let him go. And so they had to bump up um, somebody from the B crew to to go. And his, his name was, um, I think it was Jimmy. I, I, I know there's a, um, like a Jimmy Swagger who's like a preacher or whatever. So I always get confused with his name. Uh, but I think it was Jimmy Swagger or, or, or something along those lines um, was, was the third guy who ended up, uh, ended up going. And uh, interestingly, the original guy, Ken Mattingly, he never did actually get sick with, with the measles. So he turns out he could have gone, but, but he ended up going on later space shuttle missions and all kinds of stuff. Um, and, and so it was these three who, who, went ahead with the with the Apollo 13 launch and um so this is a true story of course I haven't I don't think I've clearly mentioned that yet but this is a true story um that uh that this movie was was made about and the the movie or the not the movie but the event has always been titled the successful uh failure and uh there you know one of the famous lines sort of from the you know, historicals of this is Houston, we have a problem. And um, also, um, failure is not an option. That was said by Gene Kranz, who was the flight uh, director on the ground uh, of this of this mission. And so it was called the successful failure because they the mission failed. So um, but the success is because they they were able to get back home. Essentially, what happens is the you know they're they're going up to space and everything's going fine they're everything is routine they're on their way to the moon and it was time for an oxygen tank to be stirred and so it's 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 essentially just a very standard run of the mill thing that whoever is in the seat at the time when the call comes through from from flight uh, control that they need to do this you know whoever's sitting in the seat at that time puts the switch and stirs the oxygen tanks. And it's no big, big deal. Well, in this case, there was like an O-ring or something that was not entirely sealed. And when 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 they stirred the tanks, they pressed the button to stir the tanks. Um, it it blew the O-ring and literally their oxygen, the crew's oxygen started bleeding out into space. And um, there was, you know, a question as to you know was it this guy's fault again so the guy who ended up stirring the tanks was the was the guy who was bumped up from the b crew and so you know everybody's getting really tense while you know during the mission and some people are, are you know trying to blame him and whatnot and, and basically he's like you know they they all up there though they all understand that you know whoever was in the seat at the time would have been the one to do it it wasn't his fault you know this that, and the other thing um right so so uh the mission is just a coordinated effort what they end up having to do instead of stopping on the moon is they end up having to shut all the power down move into the uh lunar module so the module that was supposed to be landing them on the moon they they routed all power to the lunar module from the command module so that they could go in there and there was they, they basically they were going to have to slingshot around the, they were trying to figure out how to get them home because here they are on their way to the moon they're losing their oxygen. They're running out of time. They're running out of fuel. And, and it's like, how are we going to get these people home? And so one of the engineers uh, comes up with an idea to basically slingshot them around the moon. So they lose the command module. They slingshot them around the moon. That that The force of that gets them to a certain distance. They can run a burn on the lunar module to take them a little bit further of the way. And then uh, once they get into Earth's orbit, gravity brings them down, et cetera. And so basically they figured it out, right? They, they figured it out. There was a question as to whether because of the uh, explosion that had happened, the um, when they broke off 
the the command module from the lunar module that they were in, they could like see a lot of the damage that had happened. And there was a, you know, there was a lot of damage potentially to the heat shield. Um, and so there was, there was a question as to whether or not they were going to hold up. Uh, and yeah, spoiler alert, the mission was a, su- a success in the sense that, you know, after the blackout period that happens when you, you enter Earth's orbit, um, the heat shield did hold. Everybody returned home uh, safely. And I mean, aside from the fact that you've got Tom Hanks, Bill Paxton, and Kevin Bacon, and in, <laughs> in, the, in the three leading roles, you know, in this movie, I mean, that obviously helped because they're all tremendous actors. You know, um, uh, unfortunately, we lost Bill Paxton a few years ago, which kind of stinks. But they, right there, they, they all are so great at what they do. They played the roles tremendously well. And it's just one of my favorite uh, stories. And so that that is the story. You know, the reason why. Uh, I chose this as threefold. Uh, one is just the drama of the story is crazy. Like it's 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 just a heart wrencher, man. It's just it's just it's just one of those great stories where every moment is tense. There's so much drama. They're having to figure it out, and it's like it's one of those things that like you almost think it think of it in terms of fiction, but it's like that's just how story driven the world is. Like it's a real true story, and there's always some you know screen adaptation and creative license and embellishment that happens, but you know, by all accounts, this movie is tremendously accurate to the actual um, events that took place. And so I definitely think that's a feather in, in its cap. Um, you know, beyond the drama being crazy, it's just super inspirational. It's just one of those stories that, you know, again, failure is not an option. It's it's one of those quotables that you can take just just really great, frankly, life lessons and, and even business lessons and whatever if you want to from it. Very inspirational story. And then um, I guess piggybacking on both of those things, the third one, I literally wrote just all the feels that you get at the end when they survived the mission. And it's like, yeah, they didn't get the moon rocks or whatever, but like they they figured it out. And against all odds, they got everybody home and everybody home to their families. And, and many of them went on to have a, you know, further successful career in the, in the, in the space program. And um, just... Just a super, super cool story. Uh, so that's a that's yep, that's Apollo thirteen. Is there a uh, special attraction why you like that movie because it has to do space, or could it have been like a similar situation? I guess on Earth, like for just like to the ocean and a submarine or something. Because I no. I love space and space movies and everything about space. So I'm just wondering if you have that yeah. fascination. Well, too. T- well, to to be honest, the answer is yes. However, I think I have the same fascination with ocean, with like the ocean and like su- you know sub yeah. subterranean and stuff like that. So, to be honest with you, uh, if it was about that, you could probably I, I might be guilty of liking it for just that reason too. So, uh, you know, so that um, I I love the unknown. Like, yeah, I'm a big Star Trek uh, fan, and uh, I mean Star Trek. Uh, just in case anybody doesn't know. Uh, Star Trek is not fiction. Star Trek is um, prophecy. So first, <laughs> so first contact is coming in. I think fifty or so years. So you know, better get ready. Vulcans are coming. Um, so, but yeah, I, I have a huge fascination with space stuff. All, like I said, my my mom used to take me to Kennedy Space Center. Absolutely love space stuff. Would never. Well. It's kind of crazy, right? This world that we live in. Um, I say I would never go to space, but I mean, it's 2022. I'm only 30, uh, 32. Um, am I 32? I think I'm 32 years old. Who knows? I may get to go to space one day. It might just be normal by the time I'm, you know, 50 or 60 to just go to space. So I think so. I don't think we're too far away from, even if it's not, you know, deep space, like, you know, interplanetary travel. I definitely think like, hey, hop in this ride. It's going to cost you this much. And, Take a little trip around the Earth. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean that that could totally be really exciting. Right. Yes. Totally. I definitely think I would be I would be down for a space trip. So yeah, all that like like Power Rangers in space. Growing up with my favorite <laughs> Power Rangers. So totally with you there. They're totally part of my love of that movie is the space travel element. That's for sure. Um, I'll move on to my to my first one too, but just another thing on space is um, interesting hearing interviews of astronauts or people that go to the International Space Station that when they get back, pretty much all of them have like a different feeling about how they see the the world. Worldview, it, yeah, it changes. Yeah, it really yeah. changes. We get that's probably a topic maybe for another time. But yeah, uh, for sure, for sure. So uh, I'll go on to my first one. Yeah, please. All right, that was a good one. Um, so. Your first one was a movie. I'll also pick a movie from my list. Um, 
it's hard to pick from because I like the movies, but I decided to go with Memento. Um, it's an that, older one. I think that came out in 2001 or two, something like that. It's uh, The director, though, is the one who made uh, Fat Man Begins, The Dark Knight, uh, Interstellar, uh, Christopher Nolan. Uh, but this is one of his first movies. Um, you don't know anything about it, do you? So this will be fun. To no. So um, there's uh, a lot of people I've seen, but there's also a lot of people who haven't. Um, so the movie... Uh, half the movie takes place, um, chronologically. Um, it starts from, well, how do I word it? Okay. Part of the movie works its way from the end of the movie and does it scenes backwards. And then the other half of the movie starts at the beginning. And That's works cool. Its way forward. That's so cool. the ending of the movie, like the last few minutes of the movie take place technically in like the middle of the story. Um, what it it's about um no no spoilers here that you learn this like pretty much at the beginning um for the most part um the main character um who's played by uh guy pierce um who he's uh got pretty good talent um talent there he uh he has short-term uh memory loss um he had people break into his house and um uh his wife is out of bed discovered that uh um she was you know, getting killed. And so, uh, went to save her. He, he, uh, got hit, hit his head and, um, fell on the floor. And the last thing he saw was his wife dying. And so that's his last memory that he has. And he eats, his brain is unable to form new memories. Thus the interesting way of telling the story of the very first scene of the movie is technically the last scene of the story. And so every scene that you watch, well, the other interesting thing is that the story that's sold chronologically um, from beginning to end is in black and white, and then the um, and then it's in color when you go from the last scene and work your way back to the middle. So every colored so scene, cool. yeah. So every colored scene, when that, that's in color, when it ends, um, it ends with the beginning of the previous color scene that you saw. So you're constantly like trying to figure out in your mind how it happened. So basically, it's about him going to try to find his wife's killer. Um, it's called Memento because he's um, tattooed himself and he's left himself notes to um, find and track this guy. So because he'll forget everything, so he has to leave himself mementos so he remembers everything that he does. And oh, it's about there was, a, there was a TV show. Sorry to interrupt you. There was a TV show that like tracked on a theme like this um, in the past few years. Do you remember that? Uh, it was a woman who, like, the show started out with her basically after an accident and she didn't remember who she was, she was laying in the middle of the road. She's got all these tattoos on her. And, yeah. um, uh, I don't remember that, but it, it's probably, it might be based on it. If it actually does like, I don't know. Like I, I'm now going to have to look it up anyway. So I'm sorry to interrupt you. So you we'll have continue. a movie That's awesome. time and we will watch that. Cause it's, um, the, so the first, um, the reason why I picked this one, I, I like a lot of movies and this one's one of my favorites. Um, the first time I watched it was in college. Um, uh, I watched it and I said, wow, this is, this is incredible. So when my mom got home from work, I said, you got to watch this with me. I watched it with her and then and my, my parents are divorced and my dad lived like 10 minutes away. So I said, I got to go watch it with my dad. So the first day I watched it, I watched it three times because I was just blown away by it and I needed people to see it with me to experience it as well. Um, it is a very uh, good movie. So reasons why I like it. One, I really like, um, I like it when directors play with time in movies. I'm a big fan of Christopher Nolan because he does that in like pretty much all of his movies. Whether it's slowing down time, um, you know, interconnectivity of time or backwards. I mean, just I, I love that um when, when directors do that. Um so that I like that aspect of it. And then also the um the character, it's a very uh um obviously it's uh it's kind of an intrigue movie. You're suspenseful and you're trying to figure out what's going on. Um it's kind of not not mystery, but you know you're really trying to you know piece the clues together along the way. Um, but the one thing that I really like about it is um, uh, the main character um, because I mean he's he's going to kill someone, which you know you can argue you know whether he's in the right to because this person killed his wife or not. Um, but um, just the the hurt that he felt from that, and you know the, um, at one point you know he says that's uh, every morning he wakes up. Um, that's what he thinks the last thing has happened is his wife dying. Cause that's what he thinks of first every morning when he wakes up. And it's just a really good character depiction of, you know, someone just trying to, to get through it. Um, and he, he does a very good job, uh, delivering on that performance. So it's a, 
it's one of my favorite movies. Um, and so yeah, those are it's very good. It's very. I good. love that man. Now, uh, give me the name one more time. Memento. 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 And I think okay. memento literally means like a uh, something to remember. But, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, for, for sure. I'm gonna we'll watch that sometime. It's yeah. funny because uh, you and I we talked before that uh, y- it, even though we both like movies, pretty much all the movies you've seen, I have not seen. Which is funny because I I, I've seen so many movies and the movies that I love, you haven't seen. So we're gonna have a lot of uh, fun movie nights. Yes, although I think we can all agree that that both Deep Impact and Armageddon are two just awesome. Like we, I think we've both seen those. These are awesome. Yeah. I have to bow at the at the creative direction of these movies. So um, I, I reminded of them because of a space theme. Um, so so a couple things. So the, the the TV show I was thinking about is called Blind Spot. Um, and it ran from 2015 to 2020. I actually didn't realize that it had ran for so long. I thought maybe it got shut down um, after a uh, after a season or two. And um, yeah, it was no, it looks like it was shut down uh, during the pandemic. Or unless maybe it's not even shut down. Maybe it's um, they just well, I would guess. Yeah, I would guess it's probably canceled. Anyway, um, yeah, it's probably canceled. But but so that was the the name of that show. Um, and, uh, I, you mentioned the theme of, uh, time. So I wanted to just hit on that for a minute because time is just one of my favorite aspects. Like you, like you said, like whenever, whenever the directors and, and, and the writers want to play around with the concept of time, I am so down. Like you've never seen Inception, have you? I have seen Inception. Oh, you have seen that one. Okay. So it's the same director that made Memento. As, as gotcha. Well, that explains it. Yeah, I, I have seen Inception. Uh, now, I've only seen it once. Now, I, I'm a huge soundtrack listener when I'm working, and so I have heard the Hans Zimmer soundtrack oh, yeah, a billion times, including the song yeah. called "Time." Um, yeah. And uh, I did I, as well. Yes, he did. Yes, Hans Zimmer did Dune, right? Yeah, Hans. Yes, Hans has done the sound for or, or the or the the score for just about every one of my favorite movies, either him or John Williams. Yes. Um, and so I love, anyway, yeah, I could, I, could, the, I the love The clashing it. of your world and my world, Hans Zimmer. We have. Exactly, Zimmer. right? I, like I mean, yes, yes, 100, 100%. All right, what is and, your uh, story, Steve? Oh, I'm well, sorry. I, I, well, I, I, yeah, no, keep, keep, no, it's okay. I just, um, it's just, no, it's, it's, it's funny. So many tangents, right? Because you mentioned, you talk about the clashing of your, your world and my world. Well, you, you mentioned Inception. Well, so one of my favorite little marketing programs was put together by again one of my marketing heroes. His name is Russell Brunson, and uh, the 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 course uh, it's basically a course. It's just, it's a collection of four or five different trainings, and it's called Inception Secrets. Right? It's got it. It's name from the movie. Yeah. The idea being is there are in marketing, and this is the point you know of this show, right? To to like see how these worlds come together. Um, it, it in marketing there is this idea that the way you sell is, is or, or the way that you entice people to buy is to make them think it was their idea, <laughs> right? Yeah. But this is how you sell an idea to somebody is you don't, you're not trying to tell them you buy this now. Like, I mean, eventually you, you call them to action, but that comes at the end after you've spent time making them, see how it's a good thing for them and how it's their idea and all like so this is why you ask questions and to get them thinking like you know what if it were you know let's say you're selling a biz opportunity thing you know what would it mean for your family if you were able to bring in an extra thousand dollars a month like what could you do what possibility you know little things like that um that you can do to to cause inception so there are there are um a number of little things like that that I could mention. That's just one example is, is questions. These are called trial closes during a sales presentation that, that you can bring in. Um, another thing is in the way you write, like like so physically when you're writing on the screen, a lot of marketing and sales copy is written one sentence at a time. Um, well, like a sentence is a paragraph. Never more than two or three sentences would make up a whole paragraph. And a lot of times you can even put like an ellipsis at the end or whatever to 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 keep the flow going down, right so there's little things you can do to get inside of people's heads and and you know you might say well what's the morality of that well it really just depends on what your motives are if you're trying to sell somebody something they don't need and shouldn't have then you shouldn't you arguably shouldn't be doing that but if you're trying to help people and get them the solution to what they want then yeah i mean it's it's you know psychology understanding human psychology has its 
pros and cons. Anyway, I got off on that because of a, a, a Inception. So, oh, that's great. Um, but yeah, but I love it. I mean, uh, my favorite Star Trek episodes give me a good temporal ano- anomaly, and um, I'm just good, man. I watch that sucker on 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 repeat. So yes. Um, all right, cool. So in the interest of moving along, so my next one, uh, <laughs> my next one is fun. So, so my next one is, is, is again, this is, this is, um, this is actual, this is what I would say. This is nonfiction. This is in the real world is, um, something called the divine council world view. Now, the problem is we can, it's, it's, as we're recording this right now, it's 12.06 AM. And I could literally, I could literally talk about this for the next three hours yeah. easily, if not longer. So I am going to do my, my best not to, to do that. Um, but the idea here is that most people are familiar with, you know, Bible stories with, with the, with the main, again, it's, it's maybe a little bit less as our culture has shifted. There's a little bit less familiarity with the story of Jesus, you know, the, the Christmas story. But most people, I would say, growing up in the United States of America are introduced and understand at least some version of who Jesus is, you know, the Christmas story, God, you know, God adorns human flesh and, you know, takes on human flesh in order to live this, the, the perfect sinless human life and dies on a cross for our, our sins and gives us the chance to be redeemed to, uh, of our sins and made, made righteous. And that is the, the gospel in a nutshell. What, what many don't know is that there is a layer of depth to that, actually multiple layers of depth to that, that, that are not part of, not part of your average Sunday school, uh, or Sunday morning, um, or Sunday night or whatever, you know, <laughs> church, <laughs> frankly, church, church going experience, um, because it's, it's freaking weird, you know, just being honest. It's like, it's, it's, it's weird. It's different. There are things in the Bible that and I've recently gotten Alex into this, so he'll be able to identify with some of these thoughts, but like there are, there are these things in the Bible that it's like, we don't talk, they're there, but, but we kind of skip over them. You know, it's like if, if we're, if we're, you know, number one, most churches don't do expository verse by verse, book by book preaching. And which, which basically if you're not indoctrinated into, into Christian, you know, ways of thinking and talking is basically like most preachers preach topical sermons, which basically means they get up on a Sunday morning and preach whatever they want to and pick and choose verses from, from the Bible to sort of support their points. Whereas expository preaching is when a preacher is going through, working through books of the Bible and literally preaching verse by verse and looking at each verse and unpacking it as the authors wrote it and, and helping their people understand it. I would say even most expository preachers are guilty of skipping over or, or at least just not pointing out things in the text that, that are a little weird. Or maybe sometimes they don't even know about them because it's harder to make some of these connections if you're not looking at the original you know, wording that was written in the Hebrew or the Greek, depending on if you're in the Old Testament or the New. And, um, and, and so the point being here is that there's an entire... Um, what we might call meta narrative. You story nerds will will sort of understand what is meant by that. Um, but there's an entire meta narrative that sort of is 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 goes beyond the standard story of the gospel of Jesus being sent to die for our sins that we don't really talk about. And the short version of this is that when we think of an angel or or a demon, um, you know, I of course I believe again I'm, I believe this is a the, the a true fact of the world, but but the the whole like angelology and demonology like these don't really go far enough to explain actually what ancient Hebrews and and um, first century you know Israelites would have actually thought about the world that they're in other words an angel is nothing more than a messenger it's it's a job title it doesn't have what's called ontology which is which is a a state of being um, you know an angel is not an ontological term it's a functional term. Right, so an angel is a is a is a messenger. So what kind of being are these angels or are these demons? And and the biblical answer is that these are called Elohim. So the word Elohim, E L O H I M, is is a word that some people would be familiar with uh, because it's the the word used for God very often throughout Scripture. But unfortunately, people often think that that just is referring to capital capital G 
God. And so when they see Elohim, they think, oh, God, like the one true God of the Bible. Well, the problem is, is that that word Elohim is the same word that is used all over the, all over the scriptures for little g gods, whatever those are, for um, uh, angelic beings, for even um, the, 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 the dead who are, you know, pa- pass into the afterlife. Um, and so this term is not a term that just means, oh, capital G, God. It's a term that is, is, a, is a locational sort of term. It is a, it's a geographical term. It's a term that denotes a, where a being is from. And so an Elohim is a spiritual being. And what you quickly learn when you read like Psalm 82 in the Bible is that you've got these verses that seem to talk about God standing in the midst of other gods. And it's like, who are these people? And so it turns out, again, I'm not, I'm not saying anything that's controversial outside of like super conservative Christian circles, because it just sounds so weird to many people. But as far as scholarship goes, um, this is not, not controversial. It, It really, in that sense, I mean, there's a little bit, but not much, not much at all. Um, and the idea is that ancient cultures, including the the Hebrews, had a concept of a divine council of spiritual beings. Now, not not council in the, like not a C O U N S E L like God needs their counsel, like God is taking advice from these people, but a council C O U N C I L. I think I'm spelling that correctly. Where it is a it is a organized group of you know, spiritual beings that God is the head of. And just like God works through human beings to accomplish his purposes, God also works through these spiritual beings to accomplish his purposes. And what does this have to do with story, Steve? Get on with the point. Well, <laughs> the problem is if you if you look from the very beginning of Genesis and even starting in Genesis 6 is where you really start to first see this stuff, actually Genesis 3, but it takes a little bit to get there. You have to understand some later stuff before you really understand what's happening in Genesis 3. It's all throughout the Bible. The storyline is something more like this. In the beginning, God creates spiritual beings and you know the earth and whatever. And, and there was a spiritual rebellion before there was a human rebellion. There was a, a rebellion of divine beings in the spiritual world before there was a rebellion of human beings in the, in the physical world here. And... um. Um, essentially you, you get to this, uh, this point in Genesis six, where we only get four verses that, that hint towards a story that people living during that time period would have, would have had a a great awareness of. And the, you know, basically there's a whole Babylonian and Mesopotamian context of, of this story that we don't really get in the Bible because it's not necessarily pertinent details to the storyline, but that they would have understood and it basically talks about how a uh, there were fallen angels who came down to the earth and they had sex and and intercourse and whatever with human females. And the, it's, oh, this sounds weird, Steve. Well, like, sorry, but it's 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 true. And right. And so th- there uh, there was widespread corruption in the world. And by the time you get to, to Genesis um, chapter six and verse, I think it's verse five. It's like. You know, God. God's like, well, geez, I need to destroy the world because the the world has become so evil, so so wretched that everything that's alive, like they all their all that's in their hearts is evil, is to do evil continually. And the idea is because these fallen angels came down, they taught they taught the the you know deviant arts and witchcraft and and all these sorts of things to uh, the people, uh, you know, to human beings. And they had these these half breeds that called the Nephilim. Um, in, in the scriptures. And it's like, what in the world? There's all this weird stuff going on. And believe it or not, this thread carries all the way through the conquests of Joshua. Um, you know, when they're taking over the land of Canaan, you know, they're kicking out the Rephaim and the Zamzumim and all the, and, and, and the uh, descendants of the Nephilim were there. The, the scriptures even say, and uh, you know, you remember that when, when um, the Bible says there were giants in the land, you know, and so it's really just crazy. Like all the stuff is there, but you don't think about what it means. Well, the true story is that not only did Jesus come to redeem us from our sins, but he also is the the preeminent one, the the son of the most high. 
He is, of all the other spiritual beings, he is the one that God has placed. And this language is all over scripture. Just read it again with this in mind and you will be blown away. It's it's all there. Like Jesus is the the son of the most high. He is the he is the God of the divine council. He is the and so when 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 Jesus came to earth, he not only defeated sin, but he also defeated the rival and hostile um gods. And so that's why, I mean, again, like we live in and under the dominion of of Christ, he is taking that back. And there is still evil in the world, but like he is defeating and will defeat that evil. And there's this whole added depth to it that's a part of it. So again, um, if you're interested in this, to get a, 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 a probably a better overview than what I gave you here, you can actually go to my website, my blog, stevestram.com slash DCW. And I have some introductory resources there to help you like learn more if you're interested in learning more about this. Um, and um, there's some good books too. A good one to start with for introductory stuff would be Michael Heiser's book uh, called Supernatural. Really great book that gives an introduction to this stuff you should check out. Uh, so why do I like it? Um, it gives added depth to the biblical storyline. I love anything that gives me more context um, and added depth. It's like you hear these stories, Bible stories and whatever over and over again. And it's like, it feels like something's missing. And that's my next point is that it makes so much sense when you actually start to study this and look at it and piece it all together makes so much sense of otherwise confusing, strange, and disconnected ideas that you see in in the Bible. It's like, why, why, why did God send Joshua on this conquest to like drive all these people groups out to give them a plot of land? Have you like if you're familiar with biblical stuff, like have you ever thought about that for three minutes? And it's like that doesn't really seem to make a lot of sense. But then when you understand this part of the story, and the people groups that they were told to wipe out, it's because they were the descendants of the people groups or of these of these Nephilim tribes that came down all the way back Genesis six one through four. It it's all connected, you know, it's all connected, and um and and so it's it's like these are little little things that don't really make sense on their own, but then in the context of the divine council worldview, they do make sense. And then finally, um, is well, just that this idea is controversial. Who doesn't love some controversy? I mean, you know, it's kind of fun to introduce this to somebody, especially who's more of a layperson for the for the first time, and see their reaction to it and get their thoughts. Um, and it's like, wow, it's, it's really crazy. We really live in a really a much more supernatural world than we think. And this is why I'm so interested in in even getting into fiction stuff or whatever, because um, much like much like C.S. Lewis was eventually convinced to become a Christian when Tolkien you know, was able to communicate to him that Christianity is the true myth. When I look at the world in the context of the divine council worldview, that makes sense to me. And uh, it really just, just, it shows how much more story driven the world is even than what I thought before. So that's that. Yeah. I'll just uh, pretty much um, kind of echo what you said. You actually gave a pretty good overview of it. I thought that was, um, that was really well good. Um, yeah, that was good. Um, yeah, it's definitely not something that you bring up on Sunday school morning in a uh, fundamental right. church. Right. No, yeah, <laughs> or, right. I mean, any church is or in many churches at all. Yeah, yeah, many churches at all. But it's one of those things where you and I were just talking. We were talking about just random fun stuff like aliens and like spiritual stuff and what people yeah. see when they take mushrooms and just you know just <laughs> all these weird things. And then um, you had mentioned that book to me, and you were telling me a little bit about it, and just right away it just even before reading the book, it just clicked and made sense. Cause like those few verses in the Bible where it came to, there was always something there that just didn't make sense. And then once you, you don't think it's a big deal, but then once you really start realizing what that all means and what the Israelites, like how they viewed the world and how everything works. Um, I mean, it just, there's nothing that made, that made more sense. I mean, it was, um, yeah. And I always knew that there had to be something there. And it shouldn't surprise, uh, if you are a Christian, it shouldn't really surprise you how, I guess, odd that stuff is, simply from the fact that if you do believe in the supernatural God that created the universe, that, you yeah. know, that could save sins and, you know, we'll live forever with him. If you believe all that stuff, it, you know, we have a supernatural God, it would make 100% sense that we live in a supernatural world. It does. It, 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 it just makes sense. It does. And even like, like, again, you know, this is not a Christian podcast, but, you know, because I believe that the world is, is based on the most awesome true story that was ever told, you know, it, it, it's going to come in quite a bit. And 
it's like, if you look at, you read the Bible and it's like, how many times, by the way, it's hundreds, where the term most high is used to describe both God and Jesus. This, this is just one of those little things that if you're not thinking in terms of the most high of what? Like, you just think, oh, it, great. It, it just doesn't make sense. And you, read the, you read the words and it's like, oh, these are, this must be just be some way of talking about it. No, it, it, just, it just actually means what it says. He's the most high of the other gods. Uh, and that, that The gods, by the way, that he created. I feel like that's an important thing to say yeah. is that Yahweh is an Elohim, but not all Elohim are Yahweh. Yeah, we still believe, you know, Jesus is the, you know, God is Yahweh, the God of the Bible, the one true creator. Every other thing is separate from him. He created these beings and they are spiritual beings to help him just like we are human beings who help him. So that's that. And I'm um, looking forward to your, your, ne your next story. We should have a, uh, we should definitely talk about that more some other time though. Very good. For sure. Yeah. Um, and yeah. related to stories, because there's a lot of stories digging down into there. Um, oh, yes. So you chose a book, so I'll go with my book. Um, I decided to, so um, so far, well, we kind of talked a little about that one together, but this one was a recent one that we watched together, and I've read, um, I chose Dune for my... Uh, yes. Um, obviously, like, uh, there's some other books that I like better, The Lord of the Rings, Thomas Covenant, but um, one of the main reasons why I picked Dune, one, it's kind of fresh for our mind from seeing the movie, but also I, I'm kind of looking at it as the book, too. Uh, my opinion, the movie um, was an excellent adaption of the um, the book. Um, it, I just can't describe how well everything I pictured in the book was as it was in the movie. It was in incredible. Um, that was, and I've only read the book once, so I am not an expert on Dune like I am with other stuff. So there's details. That if there's a huge Dune fan listening, I, I probably stumble over some things. We'll get everything right. But um Dune was one of those books where, as I was reading it, uh, I liked it more and more as it went on. Uh, it stuff kind of came together. I kind of—I wouldn't say I rush read it, but I, I read it—I read it quicker than other books. Didn't really take it quite as seriously, um, but it interested me, and I went through it and I finished it. And then after I got done reading it, I—I I could not stop thinking about it. Um, it was. And I think it was because of a riot. I think it was just so, I think it was so true to form of how human beings, like if that were a real setting in a real situation, though, that is how human beings would behave with each other. Um, and I mean, even now I'll just like, I'll just think and about while wow, how, just how perfect he described, you know, a lot of subjects about the human condition about, um, uh, governments, um, religion, uh, it just touches so many topics. I won't get into that specifics. We'll probably have a, you know, a devoted, um, episode about talking about it, but, um, it's one of those books that really surprised me. And, um, the only, really the only couple other books that gave me that feeling afterwards for such a long time of just a huge impression on me is Lord of the Rings and Thomas Covenant. Um, and that's saying something, cause those have been my only two books forever. But when I read Dune, couple of years ago before the movie came out um it just really really took me by surprise um so yeah one of the reasons why um why i really like that one is um the realism with how human interaction is and how humans behave uh, was just phenomenal and then two i think he had a amazing balance even though it's considered a sci-fi movie it's uh, or a sci-fi book it i i don't classify it as science fiction and I could be wrong here, but I thought he had mentioned um, at some point in his life that he didn't want it to be a sci-fi, you know, thing. He that was his method of communicating what the story he wanted to tell. Uh, but it's is much more than a sci-fi book. That's one reason why I didn't read it for so long is because I'm more on the fantasy side of things. Um, but I'm very glad that I read Doom. Um, Who wrote it? Do you remember his name? Uh, I mean, I should know again. I, 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 it's probably embarrassing that that I don't know it. Um, oh, what was his name? Are you googling it? No, but I can't. I, I got it. I got it. You got it. Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, it was. It was a. While you're getting that, it was Frank, a Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert. Frank Herbert. Yes, yes, uh, of course. Um, it was a fantastic, fantastic movie. I did, I had not read the books. I I I literally 
paid thirty dollars for the audiobook in the <laughs> in the parking lot of the movie theater after I got out of the movie at like one in the morning. Yeah, you texted me after you said bought it thirty bucks. <laughs> bought it, yeah, because I was just like, man, if the movie was that good, I was just really, really impressed by the movie. And um, I maybe and you tell me. I mean, if you want to give a little synopsis of it, you can. Otherwise, maybe we'll save oh, that yeah, for. I probably. Yeah, you would give a little synopsis of it, and then we'd go deeper uh, later on. But it was a, I'll just say, it was a fantastic movie. If you haven't seen it, you should definitely see it. It was awesome. I I feel like a synopsis, I would not do justice, simply because um, it's so in-depth, like Lord of the Rings, as far as the trilogy oh, yeah. and different stuff. And I just don't know this off the top of my head, but very generally, um, again, I'm really going to butcher this. Um, I think it's the Achilles. I think that's the name of the the family. Um they live on a trade a trade yeah yep live on the um their own planet don't know the name of it and uh the, the main character paul is i guess the prince or, or you know the yeah. son of the person who rules it and um how the government structure is set up is um their family is moving from their planet to dune i forget the other name for the planet arrakis arrakis yes to i believe so to um to basically take over um, the farming of the um, yeah the spice there and um, and there's uh, not getting into the whole political play of it but basically uh, the people that uh, that live there on the planet that are natives there um, they have this physical um, spiritual and religious connection to the spice of the land that's um, and uh, they, they're connected to it on a uh, on a deeper level than it just being a physical object that is on their planet. And, um, it, Paul, I won't say anything beyond just Paul gets wrapped up in the whole spiritual and uh, physical aspect of, um, of the spice and the people there. Um, and it's, um, it's just a beautifully told story and, uh, an amazing payoff at the end of the, at the end of the book. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That, yeah. That's very, an very to not do it justice. I'm, I need to read the books again soon before we, uh, discuss yes. depth again. It's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, it is a it, yeah. But I'm with you. It was a. It's a great. It was a great story, and the the movie making I thought was just fantastic on the on the recent on the recent film. And so, Hans Zimmer, shout out again. <laughs> yeah, man, man, that Hans. It's hard to hard to beat Hans. So, all right, Steve, you're up. All right, I'm up. I'm up. Cool. So, um, this is this is another one that I feel like for various reasons I could go on forever, but I will try to keep it very concise. And um. This is kind of a twofer, a uh, two-for-one here in the stories of both Disney and Apple. And, uh, of course, um, Apple is known for its simplicity in, in, in advertising and storytelling. I mean, you know, it, it, there's it was always those jokes about the, the PC versus the Mac and the PC being so complicated. And, you know, a lot of times your Apple ads were just, you know, very colorful with two words, you know, think different or whatever. And it's like, you know, it, there's, there's just a the spirit of, of advertising at Apple was always uh, simple. And then just the, there, there's a movie, an old, an old made for TV movie that you can still find, you know, you can download it all, all on the internet in, in places. Like I think you can get it on Amazon prime if you pay for it or whatever, but an old movie that was made called uh, the pirates of Silicon Valley. That was uh, tells sort of, sort of the story of the early personal computing game, you know, with, with uh, Apple and Microsoft and, you know, Bill Gates and Steve jobs. And then um, some of even how it relates to like Xerox and IBM and some of the things that were going on there. And um, so I, I just, I love Apple. I love their design. I love their simplicity. I'm a huge kind of Mac and Apple um, uh, nerd. And um Steve Jobs is just one of those figures who is just so inspirational um, to me. He's a he's a dreamer. He's a visionary. I mean, my gosh, very much of the way that you interact with the world today is a result of his thinking. Um, the smartphone. Apple invented the smartphone. Um, that, you know, I mean, the, 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 the thought of, of having music in your pocket, that was Apple. It's hard, it's hard to forget that, or it's hard to, it's hard to, you know, sometimes we don't think about that because it's so much a part of our world, but it, you know, it wasn't Sony who made that. It wasn't Samsung who made that or what, or whatever. Yeah, it was Apple. Apple drove that innovation. 
And one of the things I love about Apple specifically is that is that there was this th- there's a shift that has occurred, you know, in the last twenty years. You know, the technological development of the world that we live in is just it's through the roof. And what's really interesting is that Apple has always been about innovation, but they never got swept away with the obsession to to do more and to do better and and like like i guess what i'm trying to say is whereas a lot of the big ideas apple was responsible for other companies came along and you know tech technological people like you know your youtube reviewers and just people who interact with tech you know your computer lovers were starting to ask for more and so you know these smartphone like more smartphone companies pop popped up and and they gave people what they wanted. You know, they gave you the ability to sideload apps and they gave you the ability to like change your, you know, really customize and personalize the look and feel or, or they'll be faster to a feature. You know, they'll, they'll add touch things or, or facial recognition or whatever. And what's interesting is that Apple has never been quick to implement those things. They've always been slow to implement those things. But when Apple gets to it, it's arguably the best execution of the idea that there that there is. And so I just love that Apple takes their time and they don't always get it right. I'm certainly not saying that. But I I would argue that much of the time, most of the time maybe, when Apple finally executes and implements an idea, you know, it could be that their competitors have had it available for five years. But when Apple comes out with it, it, it's it's the smoothest operation. It's the most secure. It's arguably the most elegant. At least that's my personal opinion and the opinion of, of other Apple, you know, lovers. And so I just appreciate that about Apple. I appreciate their simplicity. I appreciate their attention to detail. I appreciate the the importance of cohesion between software and hardware that they that they uh, that they focus on. And so I think that's really special. And then just the visionary genius, in my opinion, of Steve Jobs is just something that is super uh, inspiring to me. And I just love, like a perfect example is some, you know, may not know the story, but basically Steve Jobs founded the company late seventies, you know, it grew quickly. And in 1984, 85, I think it was 85, uh, the board kicked him out of the company. And the next 12 years, 13 years or so of the company we're just riddled with failure after failure after failure. And here it is like 1997, there's like 150 products in their product line and they're about to have to sell. Their CEO at the time, you know, gets, gets, gets ousted and they're really doing bad. And they bring Steve back. Steve agrees to come back. By the way, in the meantime, he founded Next, another huge computer company and um, a little uh, animation studio you might have heard of called Pixar. Um, um, yeah, at, you know, what just at the meantime, what was that? Pixar, yeah, Pixar, yeah, Pixar, yeah, I'll Google right? it after this. Yeah, you Google it afterward, you'll find out just a little bit about it. Uh, right? So the dude founds Pixar while he's out of Apple and you know, Toy Story and all this. How crazy other. is how crazy is that one thing? He just, oh, I founded this while I was away. Well, right, and that's where I, that's where I say, like, I'm, we're literally talking about a man who is responsible for most of the way you interact with the world today. The animated movies that you see today, I mean, this is all pix like this is Disney Pixar. They changed animation, and this was under his leadership and his visionary direction, right? And so that's why he's just an expi- inspiring guy. Plus, he's a Steve, and it's just really hard to beat that it, um, just if you're a Steve. Thanks, just doing Steve things. So, um, yeah, um, so so I love uh, so I love Steve. Okay, um, the other one is Walt. Walt Disney, um, and Walt Walt Disney. It, it's funny. He got fired from one of his first jobs trying to get into animation um, because he lacked imagination. That's why he was fired because he lacked imagination. Can you believe that? And I mean, my gosh, I, I hardly have to go into the same level of diatribe about Walt as I do about Steve because I feel like more people know Walt's story. But there was a um, a um, whenever Disney World was finally, um, like Epcot was finally uh, launched and Magic Kingdom and all that was finally, you know, was finally launched, um, 
the the Florida Project, as it was called, if you know your Disney history. Um, basically, Disneyland in California had been going for quite a while, and then you know, while under various various you know companies and and sub corporations and and made up names and this that and the other thing, started purchasing up all this land in Florida for what they called the Florida Project, which would be what we know today as Walt Disney World, and um, he never got to see that come to fruition. And there was a reporter who asked, and Roy Disney, who is, God, I thought it was his brother, but I heard the other day something about nephew. So I'm really confused. I don't have my Disney family relationships all sorted out. Um, but um, um, but anyway, it, 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 his name was Roy Disney. He was like, he was, I'm pretty sure it was his brother. Um, but but uh, um, he was kind of like the the operations guy. So Walt was the visionary and Roy was like the operations guy. And, um, oh, you know what I think it was? I think it was that um, his brother was Roy, and then his, I think his um, nephew was also named Roy. Um, and so it was like Roy O. Disney, I think, versus just Roy. Yeah. Um, anyway, whatever, who cares? Um, and, and so after the, the opening of Walt Disney World, this reporter is interviewing um, um, Roy, and he's like, man, isn't this awful that like Walt isn't here to see this? And... And, and this and, and Roy, he tells the reporter, he's like, no, you've got it completely backwards. Like, this is all here because Walt saw it. And he saw it first. And and now it's here. And you know, it, again, if you know your Disney history, what is there now isn't even necessarily the full picture of the idea that, that Walt wanted. Walt actually wanted, honestly, a prototype city of tomorrow that would be constantly known for innovation. Uh, that's what the idea for Epcot originally was. But um, um, it, it's still like just the, and not only that, but but while if you, there's some great documentaries and things you can watch, the way that he ran the company is still very much, of course they've had their ups and downs, but it's still very much how the company is run today in the sense of standards of excellence and and really, I mean, world building is just a huge thing. I mean, when you're, when you're in Disney, the entire experience is, is, designed nothing is unintentional colors that are in certain places are there for a reason um when you walk into different areas of the park the smells change the um the ground beneath you changes based on the different lands that you're in 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 magic kingdom and the transition areas between them um are intentionally designed to be different than any of the land so that it's like it's like clear where you are and so the entire experience when you go to Disney, something is always happening to you and you usually don't know it, but it's always happening to you. And, um, you know, there's, there's customer service and safety are like the highest priorities there. Right. And so it's like, it's, it's, there's no question, whatever a cast member, that's what they call their employees, whatever a cast member is doing. If you ha are having an issue, no matter what they were originally doing, they are their expectation is to stop and help you get your issue resolved or just whatever it is or or stop and take a picture with you if your kid wants a picture you know and so um so okay let me just go into my reasons here so Stephen Wall there's two of my favorite entrepreneurs and visionaries that's why I picked the stories of both Apple and Disney are just wonderful they are wonderful stories in themselves of their founding and of their vision, but as they go along, just how the different companies are run and, and things um, are really a testament to their founding. And so, yeah, these guys are just my favorite entrepreneurs ever and my favorite visionaries. And I, I want my my you know little marketing business to be the Disney of marketing businesses and the Apple of marketing businesses. And um, you know that may be crazy, but hey, it is what it is, right? I mean, it's the experience that I want to give, and so uh, you know we can do that. Um, at every turn, more nuggets of wisdom can be compiled from their stories, right? Every everywhere you look, there's a there is something that you can learn. There's a lesson. I think of Apple and simplicity. Uh, one of my favorite books is called Insanely Simple. It was told by an advertising guy who worked really, really closely with Steve during his time at Apple and even um, at Next. And um, it just tells the story about how simplicity was the driving force uh, behind Apple's um, success. And then finally, I think both companies are just great role models of story. Like I was talking about customer experience, uh, world building. You know, these are the, the, these are the kinds of things that these companies are doing. Like I said, they're an experience that's happening to you more than 
than a, than a service or a product. Um, there, there's, there, you literally, you identify, you know, with a movement, you identify with something when you have an Apple computer or when you wear, you know, your Disney stuff. And so you're identifying with something that's bigger than you or, or bigger than a company. And so, um, it, and it's all, it's all driven by story. Every last bit of it is driven by story. And so that's why I think it's so, so powerful. Cool. Um, I'll have, I have one thing to say about Apple, one thing to say about Disney. So yeah, sure. the thing about, well, I got two things about Apple. Um, I, I love my iPhone cause it works and it works well. I right, don't want to, right. and I'm waiting for them to come up with a car. Um, that's, mm. that's what I wait. Wouldn't that be cool? Hey, yeah. It'd be so awesome. I, yeah. Looking forward give Tesla some competition maybe. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'd just like to see that. Yeah, that's, Tesla. That's another story. Tesla, SpaceX, Elon, they well, talk about yeah. that for hours. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh that'd be a great one. Um, and then for Disney, I love Epcot. Um, it's such a great place. Um, it's just, I know that there's magic kingdom and stuff. I, I went there, when I was young. I don't really know much about it, but you really feel the magic at Epcot. Um, oh yeah. It's, it's great there. Um, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. And if you're into technology and innovation and again, stories, I mean, it's like, if you've ever written the, um, um, it's the ball at Epcot, it's called mission. Um, well, what is it called? Oh, spaceship earth. Yep. It's kind of like it's. It reminds me kind of of, of the background of our uh, of our stream um, here. It kind of takes you from the very beginning. Yep. I, I have some differences in opinion from from the standard story of what the beginning looked like, but anyway, right? It takes you from the beginning to the to where we are now. It's just really cool to see the technological development through story. Yeah, so, absolutely. Cool. All right, man. What's your final? Uh, what's your final entry in our in our little series here? Um. Yeah, so I actually decided to cho- choose a video game for the last one. Okay, cool. Uh, I had a list of a few video games, but I decided to go with one. Um, it's called Hellblade's um, Senua's Sacrifice. Um, cool. This one, uh, it's it's considered uh, the company that made it. I uh, actually forget their name right now, but um, they label it as a trip independent AAA game. Triple um, A meaning that it's big budget, you know. Tons of people working on it, you know. Yeah. And it was a studio of only like 20, 25 people. And it really is a uh, an incredible experience. So it's uh, I'm actually going to specifically read what the um, what it's about. And then I'll go into a little bit of details. On yeah. Just because they do a good job describing it. Set in the Viking Age, a broken Celtic warrior embarks on a haunting vision quest into Viking hell to fight for the soul of her dead lover. Well, um, it's so anyway oh, yeah. Uh, yeah so awesome. the game is about um a woman her name is senua um i it's been a while since i played it so i forget the exact timing and setting of it but basically her village got destroyed um and she's coming back to return to it um uh, and the main theme of the game that makes it so interesting is she suffers from psychosis um i'm not an expert on psychosis and everything but in the game, she hears um, she hears voices, sees things, and but because um, it takes place in the Viking Age, she she doesn't see it as mental illness. She thinks that there's a curse on her, and so when she goes back and she's she ends up like venturing into hell because she hears these voices and sees these like shadow creatures that you end up fighting and everything. And to her, it's all real because she thinks it's a curse on her. So she's trying to fight for the soul of her of her dead lover. And then along the way, she, you know, you have your typical like bosses and stuff, but you meet these interesting characters that are part of her life when the whole time it's really, um, her mental illness. That's, um, kind of playing tricks with her. Um, so it's a really good blend of that, of, uh, the psychosis part of it, the mental part of it, and knowing that it's kind of all fake, but at the same time, how real it is to her. And the one thing that really makes it so good, if you have a time, just like YouTube, the trailer for it or some gameplay what it is is it's uses motion capture so um the person they have playing is said to they they get them kind of like um like Gollum and lord of the rings i'm sure you've seen footage of him putting two and doing essentially like that and so they got to the point where they dress her up in the suit put everything on the face and no matter what facial expression she makes they motion capture that right in the game so they did a demonstration one time of her on stage walking around, making movements, making facial expressions. And on a separate um, TV in front of the whole audience, 
the, her character was doing those exact movements in the game. Um, so you have that realism of that is an actual person there doing that. Um, and it's um, it was just a fantastic. It took about ten hours for me to beat it. I always play games in the hardest setting just because I feel like feel like a boss when I end up beating it. Um, and sure. it just it was a um, it was a wild trip. Um, so it was um, it was one of those games that just kind of blew me away. And um, I come out with a second one soon. I forget what that one's called. Um, oh, Hellblade uh, Senua's Saga. Um, but anyway, it was really fantastic cool. one with the and so the story with it. What so main reason why I like it is just a just a great story. I mean, the gameplay is fun too, but um, just a, a really great ride. Um, so, anyways, that's a uh, cool. I'm, yeah, that's really neat. I um, yeah, I need to get back into video games again. That was always so fun for me growing up. Um, it and anyway, um, yeah, it sounds like a sounds like a fun one. I um, is ten hours like is that a? It's about ten a, hours to beat it. Yeah, is that like a a long time or is that a short game or or it seems like a not a long I've, time. I played amazing games. Um, God of War is another one of my favorite ones, and that took me fifty to sixty hours playing on the hardest setting to do the whole thing. Gotcha. Um, I know it took me ten, and I loved them both. Got them yeah. by a little bit more, but about the same. So the hours don't really mean too much to me as long as you can deliver on a great story. Having fun, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. Time. Yeah, um, I do want to throw in a bonus thing here. I didn't yeah. plan to do it, but I figured I'd want to do something nonfiction. A story. I'll make it really quick. Um, it's a song called Kenji, and it's uh, by okay. Fort Minor. Um, uh, Mike huh. Shinoa is actually part of it, and he's from Lincoln Park. Um, yeah, yeah. So, have you heard of the song called Kenji? I have not. I'm very. I'm familiar with Fort Minor. Just it's, um, that song. Gotcha. It's a. It's a true story. Um, I'm pretty sure it's about um, both Mike Shinoa and another band member's um, parents or grandparents. I think maybe both um, that were alive during World War II. Um, they lived mm. in America and they're Japanese. And it's about during World War II after Pearl Harbor that um, they round up the Japanese and put them in a German camp. Sure. Yeah. And even, yeah. And even though they were American citizens, they got rounded up. And um, just a really powerful song about um, them coming home after the war and seeing like their apartments destroyed, vandalized and not being welcomed back. Man. Um, yeah. Just, uh, I mean, just brings tears to your eyes. Um, so I, I, just, I thought I'd just mention that a little nonfiction as well. That's really solid. Really, yeah. It's really powerful. I remember Mike talking on various occasions um, about his Japanese American heritage. And he, that's something that he's really passionate about. I didn't realize that he had written a song uh, specifically, you know, on that theme. So it's called Kenji. K Kenji. Yeah. Look at it. It's like a two, three minute song. J I. Okay. K E N J I. It's really good. Cool. Yeah. Very good. I'll look it up. All right. Man. Well, this has been so fun. Went yeah, a, little, a little long, but that's cool. That's I mean, fun. there's no, yeah. there's no rules here. Who cares? So, um, people can uh, always skip you or skip me. So it, that's exactly right. Yeah. And they'll probably skip me most of the time. So that is <laughs> not a problem at all. Um, and, uh, yeah, very cool to discuss some of our, some of our favorites. So, um, as of right now, I don't know what we're getting into next week, but I know we'll be getting into something. So definitely tune in. Um, I'm hoping to have uh, you know YouTube up and going uh, real soon, and so um, maybe even by now. So hopefully you can you you be watching this on YouTube, or you know you can catch you catch us in your favorite podcast player. Definitely, you know whatever all the things like rate, subscribe, share, flex your you know whatever. Tell people about it. Share. Yeah, that's the biggest thing, right? Share. Tell other people about it if this is interesting to, to kind of hear. I've never heard anybody else talk about stories from both angles on one on one show so i think we're doing something really unique and special here and i uh, just want as many people as possible to be a part of it um and who doesn't want to hang out with your boy al i mean <laughs> uh, yeah for the record i didn't know that actually showed so people can see but i'll stick to it it does it's 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 you man and i just need to put shraminator in mine that's that's, uh, yeah. that's my de facto nickname so anyway uh all right my friend i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna close her down here but uh yeah thanks guys for for listening in and being a part of this we really appreciate any time you spend with us so see ya